Hi, welcome to Unleash Ministries podcast, where Pastor Nathan Sanford will guide us through daily Bible studies, prophetic revelations, and life-changing encounters with the Father's love. Join us for near daily content as we dive into the Word of God. Everybody, welcome back. We're actually going to get into the text this time. So, I, last episode we kind of set up um, basically the concept and the idea of authority and submission, and kind of what we see going on in the culture right now. And what I wanted to do in this episode is really get more into the text itself. So, um, we're going to just start right off since I already set it up um, last episode about authority and submission. Let's go ahead and let's look into the text and see what it actually says. So First uh, Peter 3, 1 says this, in the same way, you wives. Now, here's the deal. In what same way? Well, what was he just talking about? Basically, what he was just talking about, if you listen to the other podcast in the end of First uh, Peter chapter 2, was that in the same way, meaning, um, and he's going to say, wives, be submissive to your own husbands. So, of course, what he had just discussed, like right before then, was basically like, hey, submit yourself to institutions and governors and this kind of a thing and honor people and love people, servants, be submissive to your masters, etc. Um, basically, what, of course, what Peter's talking about here is, look, whatever situation you happen to find yourself in, um, you need to be honoring and awesome and submissive in a holy way. So, Again, this gets back to opens up a lot of questions of which we're going to tackle in a second. But I also I want to get more into the text. But I want to to again, obviously, brings up the idea of abusive husbands of you know people are, you know that kind of a thing. And certainly, God is, would never call anybody to that kind of prison and abuse. Um, that's not at all what Peter's addressing here. He, in fact, he gets clear about what he is addressing. So let's look at it. In the same way, in other words, in the same way that you would submit to different authorities, the same way you would submit to the government out of reverence for Christ, like that kind of thing. He says, be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. So I want to I want you to understand what's actually happening here. So he's about to go on for like four or five, six, whatever, like six verses about telling women how they should be. And then he just goes and basically gives one verse um, on to tell men. Well, why would he do that? Why would he give women six instructive uh, verses and men only one? Well, here here's why. It, back then, if you were to come to Christ as a man, that was really, really easy for you because if you came to Christ, automatically all of your family would become believers, even your wife, like, um, or even especially your wife. So your wife and everyone in your family is literally automatically a believer because you're the one with authority. And I'm not saying their hearts would all change. I'm just saying in the eyes of the law, in the eyes of the culture, in the eyes of the surrounding community, you were all going to be believers. So that was easy for you. But if you were a woman, what would happen if you were a woman and you came to Christ? Like, and your husband didn't. This never happened. What, what if your husband was an idol-worshiping heathen and you came to Christ and he didn't? Well, now you find yourself in a really, really difficult situation. So I found a couple of references because I wanted you all to understand what life was actually like for a woman in this uh 
particular uh, culture. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read a quote. This is a quote from a Greek historian, um, and it said he said this in Greek civilization: the duty of the woman was to, and I quote, to remain indoors and to be obedient to her husband. It was it is the sign of a good woman that she must see as little, hear as little, and ask as little as possible. So that that's a direct quote of one of uh, of the philosophers and the historians of the time. Um, just so you know, like women had no kind of independent existence and no mind of their own and in their culture, and the husband could divorce her for any reason at any time as long as he gave the dowry back. So so whatever um, dowry they were paid to take the the take you know their daughter as a wife, he would have to give that back. And that was the only thing he had to do. Um, I'm going to read you, again, a historian speaking about women in this culture. I'll read it right out of here. It says, Under Roman law, a woman had no rights. In law, she remained forever a child. When she was under her father, she was under, and this is called in Latin, the patria potestas, which literally means the father's power, which gave the father the right of even life and death over her. And when she married, she passed equally into the power of her husband. She was entirely subject to her husband and completely at his mercy. Uh, Cato the censor, who was a very typical uh, ancient Roman, uh, ancient Roman said this, and I quote, if you were to catch your wife in an act of infidelity, you can kill her with impunity without trial. Um, and, and just, you know, furthermore, Roman matrons or Roman, Roman wives um, were prohibited from drinking wine and Ignatius beat his wife to death when he found her doing so. Gallus dismissed his wife because she had once appeared in the streets without a veil. Um, uh, this guy named Antistius Vetus divorced his wife because he saw her secretly speaking to a freed woman in public and Publius Sophus divorced his wife because once she went to the public games. So here, I want you guys to understand, like in this case, it is incredibly difficult. Like a woman comes to Christ and what they are wondering here in this situation is what, what do we do? Like, you know, if we come to Christ and our husband isn't like, can we leave him? Of course they're thinking like they have total freedom in Christ, which they do. And Peter basically says the same thing that Paul says. He, he's saying, look, you need to stay with him. Um, so even if they're disobedient, they may be one without a word by the behavior of their wives. In other words, like they'll look at you guys and how amazing you are because you are radically like you women, you wives are radically transformed. You're filled with love. You're a completely different person. Remember, these books actually assume that you really came into covenant with God. Not, not that you prayed a prayer once so you can go to heaven. They actually assume you're believers. So they what that means is they think that you are radically transformed. You're a completely new creation in Christ Jesus. You are brand new and on fire and amazing. Amazing. And they're saying that the husband would see that and go, what is going on? There is something to this and would come to Christ simply by you. Now, so that first part, remember, is basically what he's saying is like, um, look, be submissive to them, meaning literally don't don't leave them, like stay with them and be kind and, and keep, you know, doing what you've been doing, essentially, but you're going to do it totally differently. You're going to do it as a totally different person, and you could just win your husband. But you you understand from just the brief uh, things that I just read what kind of position that these women were in um, that, that came to Christ and their husbands didn't. 
And, you know, Paul and Peter are just kind of making the point that you don't just leave your husband because he's not a believer, that you stay submissive to him, which they would have had to be already. So it's kind of like this. What I hear a lot of people when they teach these scriptures is somehow like wives, they're looking at the wives, be submissive to your husband, bow down, you know, this kind of thing. And that gets really weird. You know, we have people like having, you know, where there's supposed to be a, a mutual submission one to another in the marriage. And yes, there's roles and yes, there's authority. And I, this is how I look at it. If you want to just know me personally in our marriage, I listen to my wife on everything, or at least I try to. Um, and we come to behave, uh, decisions together without manipulating the other. At least again, we strive to do that, that we equally have a say. But when it comes to the weight of the home, when it comes to carrying the home, protecting the home when it comes to the ultimate responsibility for the home that falls on me as a man as a husband it does not fall on my wife it falls on me and I carry that so she does not have to um, and that's part of loving her as Christ loved the church and again I, I, I have that in my heart I do it to the best of my ability I don't know that I do it perfectly but I just want to describe to you kind of that's how um, we walk it out. That's how I believe these scriptures are meant to be read and meant to be seen. So he's not saying like you submit to your husbands right now. He, he, they are already submitted to their husbands, right? I just read to you the kind of submission they were under, which was total, you know, the, the submission they were under was they had no rights. They were not people, you know, they were property, they were owned, they were used as commodities. So he's not asking them to do something that they aren't already doing. He's just saying, look, you're already there. Be an on fire believer as you are. And again, he's not saying submit yourself to abuse. He's not saying like allow yourself to be treated like garbage. None of that is true. Of course, he's not saying that. And so do not take that and don't let any leader tell you that you should stay with an abusive husband who is verbally, physically, or emotionally consistently abusive without repentance like that's and, and you are not safe and your children are not safe so do not allow anyone to tell you that and use the bible to twist it and keep you in prison that that really bothers me but in any case he says this they may be one without a word by the behavior of their wives verse two as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior again they watch you knowing that you're changed knowing that you don't believe like they do anymore and yet you're chaste and respectful, like you're still being this amazing person. And now we get to verse three, which has been, oh my goodness, used to slap women across the face throughout the centuries. Um, so verse three says, your adornment must not be merely external. And he goes on to say, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart. So people have actually taken this so literally that they're like your adornment, like essentially saying you can't braise your hair. I'm like, you can't braise your hair. Like somehow braiding your hair is evil. Um, you can't wear gold jewelry. So maybe you can wear other jewelry, but you apparently you can't wear gold jewelry specifically. So you have to keep your hair unbraided. You can wear I guess you can wear silver jewelry or diamonds or something, but you can't wear gold jewelry specifically or put on dresses, uh, which I think is really interesting because all these people that seem to think that women can't wear makeup, all their women are wearing dresses. Um, and this says you can't put on dresses. Uh, so <laughs> again, let's look at how this reads in the Greek. If you read this in the Greek carefully, as I've done many times, it's why the new American standard and they're totally justified in doing this adds the word merely 
and they totally should add the weir- the word merely because it's hard to describe to you why that is, but when you read it, it's real clear in the whole context, which is why verse 3 in the NESB says, your adornment must not be merely external, meaning it's okay to have your adornment be external. It's okay to wear makeup and jewelry and you know, make yourself look nice and attractive and how you feel good about yourself. And, you know, however you want to present yourself as a woman um, in a way that you feel comfortable with, like there's nothing wrong with doing that. He says, just don't let it be merely that. All he's saying is like verse four, he says, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. So I just, all he's saying is like the same thing he's been saying, but I don't know if you know this or not, but once again, the culture to he's, who he's writing to, who Peter's writing to women, because they couldn't do anything else. They literally could not do anything else that oftentimes they, they had a lot of extra time because they were not allowed to work. They couldn't do um, anything really outside of the home. And so a lot of them spent, a t- especially Roman women, spent a lot of time, you know, braiding hair and jewelry and, and doing uh, various things like that. And, you know, Peter's like, look, that's okay, but just don't let it just be that. He said, let it be um, the, the hidden person of the heart. You know, and so again, it's so funny to me that you get these religious groups that are like, women can't wear makeup. And they have to wear dresses. And it's like, okay, um, but Peter says don't wear dresses. <laughs> so I'm just saying, like, it's just silly to apply it in that way. He, all he's saying is let your dormant not be merely external, meaning let it be more than that. Let it be um, you know, who you are as a person, obviously. But let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable. He's just saying those things are perishable, right? Like gold, jewelry, braiding your hair. Like He's like, those things are perishable. They're not bad. It's just that they're perishable. He said, let it be way more important to you. Again, it's, an, it's the idea of truth intention, right? So if you haven't heard my teaching on truth intention, I'll probably have to do another one. But all truth is not created equal. Like just so you know, like all truth is not created equal. Um, Let me give you an example. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Does that mean faith is unimportant and hope doesn't matter? No, of course not. But love is the most important. In other words, if you have all faith and all hope but no love, you're worthless, according to 1 Corinthians and what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 Corinthians 13. All you're doing is making a bunch of noise. So as you can see, and that's just one example, there are lots of examples. Like if you understand that truth is not all created equal, um, that certain things need to always be emphasized over other things or you end up out of balance. So if you, if you emphasize faith, you have to believe, you have to believe, you have to believe, you have to believe, you have to believe. You know, they emphasize faith, 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 faith over and over and over and over. You know, however they define faith because there's like 50 million definitions of that, especially floating around on the Internet. But anyway, if you emphasize that, but you never emphasize love, you're going to find yourself or, or rarely emphasize it. You're going to find yourself out of balance. If you emphasize works and do, 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 fast, fast, pray, pray, serve, serve without ever emphasizing love, like you will be out of balance. Does that mean that praying is bad or serving is bad or fasting is bad? No, those, all those things are good and they're all true and we all should be doing them. But if you don't, if you put them out of order, you end up with abuse. You end up with all kinds of twisted weirdness. So all truth is not created equal. And I want everyone uh, listening to this to understand that. So all he's saying here is that you know, it's not bad to like braid your hair and wear dresses and look nice if that's what you want to do. That's fine. 
but make sure that the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, that that is paramount. Like, so that becomes your most important thing in terms of your, your, uh, you know, uh, what does he say? How's he put it? Your adornment, right? He says, let not your adornment be merely external. He's just saying, look, it's cool that you want to look like that and dress up and, and, and look good. And that's, that's all good. Just make sure that the most important thing is that your adornment is actually the gentle and quiet spirit, the hidden person of the heart, which is precious in the sight of God. And he just says, for in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. So again, meaning they adorn themselves on the inside, not just on the outside. So he's just referencing women of the Old Testament specifically. He says being submissive to their own husbands. Again, submissive to their husbands in love, submissive to their husbands um, out of reverence for God in holy good ways. Um, not just being, you know, looking good on the outside, but looking good on the inside. And again, looking good on the inside, being way more important, just valuing that over. That's all he's saying. He's not saying be religious and don't wear stuff. And, you know, I don't know what you'd wear, a parka or something. I don't know, whatever. (laughs) And don't ever wear makeup and look as ugly as possible. Like, that's not what he's saying at all. That's not what's on his heart. But he says, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. And all he's saying is, um, you know, that she called him Lord, meaning like she had submitted to him in this beautiful, amazing, awesome way. And they had this wonderful relationship. Now, I don't know how many of you guys are going to start demanding that your women call you Lord. I think that would be a little strange, especially in the culture, because remember, it's mutual submission. Um, with ultimately the goal being the uh, the roles that the man would take, like I described, uh, I don't know if I described it in this podcast. I think I described, it, did describe it in this podcast, like kind of how we've tried to walk it out and understand it. Um, but you've become her children, just meaning that you you'll act and walk in the same ways of honor towards your husband that Sarah did if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Meaning like it, you know, a lot of people, they're almost afraid to act in ways that are kind and loving because they're afraid they'll be taken advantage of. And, you know, oftentimes that's a legitimate fear. I mean, <laughs> I've seen this so much in the church where you have these wonderful, sweet, kind, beautiful people who are submissive because they're hungry for God. And sometimes you have these leaders over them that Uh, frankly, aren't. And so they can find themselves getting taken advantage of. And in fact, that's where a lot of church hurt happens. A lot of church hurt both ends and begins is with that. Um, But you know what? He says, do it anyway. Like, don't be afraid. Not not saying be naive, of course, and put yourself under leadership that's going to do this. Like, that would be not what he's saying at all. Of course, he's specifically referencing husbands and wives right here. But again, he's saying, look, still do it. Be kind, be loving, um, be submissive, be chaste, be all those things, and just do that right thing, even if it's scary, even if it's hard to do. And again, once again, not not saying abusive husband in a controlling environment. Like this is not what he's talking about. So, which is which is, by the way, right after that, guys, he says, "You husbands, in the same way, in the same way." Okay. <laughs> so, in other words, basically, what he's saying, and in the Greek, it's real clear. In the same way, meaning. All the stuff that was just said to the women, like you need to do the same thing. Um, Live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker, 
Now, I hope you understand that he doesn't mean, and this is also quite clear, weaker as if somehow women are weaker, like spiritually or emotionally weaker. He literally means physically weaker. <laughs> so, um, again, he's talking about someone not only who's literally physically weaker, but someone who's weaker in terms of their own um, power within the culture. I mean, they're much weaker in, at the time in particular. They were given so much less power, which is basically none, or authority back then, that they were weaker in two senses, in the sense that the culture didn't award them any strength or any role ability. And they're, you know, women in general, and I say that as a general statement, are physically weaker than men in general. So he's saying live with her in an understanding way, under, like realizing that she's weaker than you, both physically and culturally. Now, again, that's not really as true now in our culture. Um, that, you know, we tend to, I think, uh, women have the strides toward equality and all of that. Uh, most of them are really good. And I, I understand some have gotten quite twisted over the past few years where it's like this denigration of men somehow is how we have to elevate women. And like, that's gotten weird and I don't have time to get into that. But at the same time, there's been a lot of strides here. So, um, you know, weaker physically, um, it, but not necessarily culturally anymore, but still he says, since she is a woman and show her honor, as a fellow heir of the grace of life, show her honor. Like this is huge. This is, he's calling men to honor their wives, which is gigantic. That's the same level as submission in a different way. Like we, how you would honor authority, right? We're called to honor authority. And, and, and Peter is calling husbands to honor your wife. So that's, that's a huge thing. Like what he just said right there is like, whoa, you're supposed to honor her. And then the next week we're going to get into the last part of this, which is so your prayers will not be hindered. And I think that's a very powerful statement. So your prayers may not be hindered. And it's like, wait a minute, your prayer is being hindered. Like how are your prayers hindered if you're just a jerk? Like, so we are going to talk about that, but we'll continue that on the next podcast. Uh, we're going to continue through first Peter. Um, we'll pick up where we left off here, which is in verse eight. And we're going to continue through the rest of it. And hopefully you guys have learned a lot and going through this whole thing. We're going to continue. It's going to get more exciting as we go through first Peter has some really cool twists and turns. And we're going to dive into all of those and see how they're applicable to today, to right now, this crazy, crazy environment that we're in and see what's going to come next um, for the church and how things are going to even cook up even more. So love you guys. And I will talk to you very soon. We'll continue on a little bit later. Thank you for listening to Unleash Ministries podcast. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by an encounter with the Father's love poured out through His Word. If you would desire to bless this ministry financially, please visit www.unleashedchurch.org and click on the Give link. Thank you.